0: Understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged.
1: If you're listening to this, you are your resistance. Your resistance. We
0: are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. It's a trap. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm here today with Julie Borowski. She is the token libertarian girl, not to be confused with the regular libertarian girl. She's got almost 80,000 followers on YouTube, and she was voted Liberty Virals one of the 20th hottest. One of the twenty hottest libertarians on the web, which uh, I would hope to be able to win someday, but I might have to go transgender. So, Julie, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, thank you for having me on.
0: Is that the uh, that's kind of the equivalent of Maxim's top twenty for libertarians, right? Basically the same thing. Uh,
1: It's it's so awkward. Awkward.
0: Okay, you don't want to talk about that. That's cool. So uh, you have two hundred thousand Facebook likes, and I first
1: almost almost.
0: It's like gasping a buck ninety-nine. I'm just calling it two. What are you at? Like one ninety-nine
1: point six. I'm big... watching it today.
0: Oh yeah? So sorry I'm distracting you from that. But that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> How long have you been at it? When did you start? The Facebook so I,
1: started, I started my Facebook I think 2012. But I started on YouTube in 2011. So I've been doing it for a while now.
0: And uh, I, have, I have some questions about the evolution. So one of the reasons I'm most interested, I saw you on Stossel years ago, thought that was a really fun segment. Uh, my wife has a thing for mustaches. She'd probably leave me for Stossel so that she was pretty jealous of you for being on the show. But uh, I'm curious about YouTube. You just posted a video today with someone saying that his YouTube account might get shut down because he mm-hmm. posts insensitive things. Uh, I'm going to look at his name because I forgot. Philip DeFranco. So are you worried about your YouTube account being shut down for saying unpopular things?
1: So it's not actually being shut down. Philip DeFranco, who's an extremely popular YouTuber, he's got millions and millions of views. He's more of a libertarian than people might think. I see him saying libertarian things all the time. I think he's a Gary Johnson supporter too. But he's more about, he talks about the news and he throws around a lot of F-bombs and he's very dirty in his language. And that's why YouTube is removing ads from his videos. So they're not actually shutting down his channel. Um, it's about ads, which sucks because for YouTubers, we make money off of videos. Um, we put a lot of work into making these videos and, you know, we get paid through the ads. So I am scared. Um, I don't think it's happened to me yet. I was just going through my videos. I see they're all monetized, but I am scared. I'm also scared because like, I don't want to censor my views. I don't, I don't really cuss in my videos, but I do talk about controversial stuff. I talk about guns. I talk about anti-PC stuff. Like, I don't want YouTube to remove the ads because I'm not advertiser friendly. So, it, yeah, it's scary.
0: So it's not censorship. It's just disincentives. It's, it's pressure to not say certain things, right?
1: Yeah, it is pressure because I think now when YouTubers put out videos, they're like, oh, I don't want to say that because I don't want to get my ads removed. So it is censoring in a way. Um, people are going to really pay attention to what they're saying. And I want more speech. I don't want less speech on YouTube.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a nudge, right? That's where it starts. We start mm-hmm. by saying, yeah, you shouldn't say that and you won't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So is as someone who's very new to YouTube but has aspirations of doing it a lot more, Uh, What do you think the other changes are going to be going forward? Because I I don't want YouTube to just be cat videos and pranks. Like I'd prefer it not be wasted on that. But that's just my opinion.
1: Sure. So YouTube has actually been really good to me. They invited me to the RNC. They actually paid my way to go to the RNC to report. So they've been really good to me. I don't have any complaints there. But if you look at what Twitter's done, what uh, Facebook's doing, like it is scary. It's scary for people who are more on the right And for libertarians, too, because I know libertarian pages have gotten anti-Hillary stuff removed. But, I mean, there's so much anti-Trump stuff on Facebook that never gets questioned. So there is definitely a bias there on Facebook and Twitter. And I understand libertarians will always say, well, that's their website. They can do what they want. Sure, but we're users. We're allowed to present feedback. And it is. I wish they didn't censor people's views. I wish, you know, if they say they're a platform where they allow different opinions, then allow it. Don't be biased in your censorship.
0: So uh, in terms of, I want to start with YouTube and just my Mm -hmm. curiosity about what you've done so far. So it's been about five years. Uh, If for people who don't know who you are, what's one video they should start with? What should they watch? What's the one thing they have to see?
1: Okay. So um, I'm thinking of my most popular videos, which are parodies. Um, my biggest video that I think really kind of took me off, if you will, is I did a Lena Dunham parody in 2012. She had just released a video um, called my first time or your first time or something like that, where she compared voting for Obama, which she's a huge Obama supporter to losing her virginity. It's just this really, this outrageous video. And so many people were pissed about it. So I decided to make a parody of that. Um, I pretended to be Lena Dunham and talked about Obama. Um, so yeah, that, that was a popular video. I also did a video called F-bombs for feminism, which is also a parody. They used little girls dressed up as princesses for the organization F-Hate. And these little girls were talking about feminism, but they were dropping F-bombs um, all over the place talking about it. It was just like these little girls. So, of course, people were like, oh, my God. Um, so I did a video about feminism, and I dressed up as a princess, and I presented the facts. And, you know, those are my two most popular videos I've done. Yeah,
0: I saw the first video that you parodied, uh, the first one you just mm-hmm. referred to, uh, and I felt it kind of had this creepy Toddlers and Tiaras meets Jersey Shore vibe, like it, just, it was <laughs> worthy to watch. And I thought – it's kind of like some Super Bowl ads. I'm like there's at least five or six people or departments that watch this and they all have to mm-hmm. sign off on it. And it just amazes me that they all went, yeah, that's one. That, that We're really going to be proud of that in six months. Mm-hmm. That was awful. So in terms of some of the biggest lessons you've used like, or that you've learned over the last couple of years on YouTube about what works and what doesn't, enlighten us a little bit. Mm, what I've
1: learned on YouTube um – Well, I've I've learned a lot about um, how to deal with hate online, how to deal with criticism online. Of course, if you're a YouTuber, you're always going to get a lot of hate. I've learned to brush off the haters, um, which you have to do if you're a content creator. Other things I've learned about content is to try to make it entertaining. Um, My first year or so on YouTube, I did videos about Ron Paul, about libertarianism, and Pretty much all my viewers were Ron Paul supporters because I was just preaching to them and they were like, Yeah, awesome, doing great work, Julie, but I was just preaching to people who already agreed with me because I was being preachy in my presentation. So I've learned to try to be entertaining. I use props a lot, I use costumes, uh which some libertarians are like, What are you what are you doing? That's weird. weird. But there are a lot of people who watch me who are not libertarians or they're libertarian curious, if you will. Um, so I've learned to try to be entertaining as well as informative. What is, else is that your have I? Audience learned? is
0: it the we'll call it the lie curious crowd, like libertarian curious?
1: <laughs> yeah, libertarian curious. Those people are my favorite. Um, well, what else have I, the I, main, have I The other question uh, I want
0: to ask is like when you start, mm-hmm. you have an objective, right? And it evolves over time. Mm-hmm. So now that you're almost 100,000, you've almost got that silver play button. What is your objective now? Like, what do you expect to happen over the next year or two? What are you focused on?
1: Well, just continue doing what I'm doing. I've also learned um, to focus on current events and to try to put a libertarian spin on it. Because when I first started out my first year on YouTube, I was doing very, very much libertarian centric stuff that non-libertarians don't care about. I was talking about libertarian books I've read. I've been, I was talking about, you know, anarchists versus minarchists, that kind of thing, where the normal person isn't going to click on this video. However, I just did a video about the Colin Carpaccio or whatever of the football player with the Pledge of Allegiance, which everyone is talking about right now. But I didn't really care about the, or the National Anthem, oh. but I really wanted to make it about Fidel Castro. So if I put out a video, Fidel Castro sucks or something like that, people aren't really going to click on it. But they will click on a call-in video right now. So I've learned to take a current event, put out a video so other people click on it, and then take it into a libertarian direction, which people are not expecting.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So let's, I had a current event slated for a little later, but let's actually talk about Colin, since everybody, I heard some of the news <laughs> going say, this Colin story is not going away. I'm like, yeah, cause you won't shut up about it. Like <laughs> I couldn't, what bothers me, can I be honest, is a lot of the issues they talk about, they don't go one step back. Like when John Oliver rips into charter schools, he doesn't go one step back and say, the government took over the whole system. There's no disruptive element. That's why we have charter schools and you're crapping on those. That frustrates yeah. me. So in the NFL, you look at like Jake Plummer, who played here in Arizona, where I live. He wanted to put a forty sticker on the back of his helmet, and he got fined every time he did it. The Dallas players can't put a blue stripe on their uniform because the NFL is so anal about your shirt being tucked in and your behavior and coming to the place in a coming to the stadium in a suit. But as soon as Colin Kaepernick sits down during the anthem, they're like, yeah, you know, he's really just he's got his own views. And we think that he's state making statement and we're kind of OK with that. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. is the NFL like the national fear of liberalism, liberalism? What is going on here where that gets a total pass? And it, they're basically raising the middle finger to most of their fan base when they do that. I, that I don't understand at all. I couldn't care less about Colin.
1: Oh, OK. I, I don't really care that much about football or the NFL. So I haven't been paid attention to their biases there. I don't care that much if somebody sits during the national anthem Um, doesn't affect me anyway. I know he has his reasons for doing so I looked into some of his reasons. I'm like, okay, I understand where that's coming from. But like you said, what you learn on YouTube, you learn to frame things in a certain direction, not to piss people off, not to alienate your viewers. So some people said, well, why didn't you talk about police brutality in that video? Because, the whole point was the national anthem was the focus, right? My conservative viewers were going to be so pissed off about the national anthem that I cannot introduce police brutality into that because they'll view it as anti-American. So I've learned to really know the audience and how they will approach these issues, not to alienate people with other issues. So framing matters.
0: Interesting. I think that's probably a more eloquent way of saying what I wanted to, which is the NFL has an image issue right now because they're selective about what they accept and don't. Mm. And that's what bothers me about Colin is that they've squelched a lot of other smaller incidents. And this one, they're kind of like, we'll just see where this goes. We're not going to. I mean, most of their fans, you look at NASCAR, you look at the NFL, like a big portion of the fan base likes the flyovers. They like the Mm. American flag, like the Star Spangled Banner. And you've got your $20 million year guy saying, well, I don't. And I'm going to I'm gonna use this platform to send my message. NFL is usually not cool with that, but they made an exception for him. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, in terms of – let's talk about libertarianism. So my political journey started about the time I got married. Before that, I was kind of apathetic. I was lie-curious, con-curious, liberal-curious, everything. But I had a friend call me during Ron Paul's um, run for an election around 06, 07, I think. And he actually came out for Ron Paul on the phone. I hadn't talked to this guy for 10 years. And he called me to let me know that Ron Paul like, was that guy. <laughs> it was kind of weird, to be honest. And we haven't talked since. So I thought that was a bad way to go about it. But he basically, hey, if you ever get someone who calls you, maybe this doesn't happen to you, but if you ever had someone call you and try to get you involved like in a pyramid scheme, but they don't tell you that's mm-hmm. what they're calling. That's how that call went. He's like, how you been? What are you up to? Um, you want to come to a meeting? Like bring chips. And oh, yeah. And you're going to get rich. He did that for Ron Paul and me not being very politically savvy at the time. I said, you know, I know enough about Vietnam to know that when we got out of there, that was a bad idea and some really negative things happened. And that was Ron Paul's idea about Iraq. I don't don't know if it's a good idea to cut and run. And fast forward eight or 10 years, we've got ISIS. And my Mm -hmm. big issue with Ron Paul was that. So that was my introduction to libertarianism. I was kind of tainted at the beginning. But besides that issue, I'm a big libertarian fan. I think I am I call myself conservatarian. The libertarian is the main vein there. So am I right? Am I wrong? Is it a messaging issue? Like sell me on libertarianism and why people like me should fall in line.
1: Okay. Well, first that story is hilarious because I was like that when I found out about Ron Paul in 2007, I just had to tell everybody Um, I was, you know, I was basically trying to be like, I'm sure people felt that I was trying to convert them into a cult. 'Cause like people I don't even know barely like I Ron Paul, Ron Paul, Ron Paul all the time. So that's that's hilarious. Um, as far as Ron Paul's foreign policy, um, I grew up a conservative. I was probably a neocon as a pre-teed. Uh when we were going into Iraq, I was completely in support of that. I just wanted to nuke the Middle East. Um, but I didn't really know that much about it. I had no idea about the history of the Middle East, I had no idea about U.S. intervention in the Middle East. Um, I thought they just attacked us because they were jealous of us because we were free. So really, I was about 15 when I found out about libertarianism a couple years before Ron Paul. And I just looked into all this stuff. and I was like, wow, um, the U.S. military has been over there for a long time, you know, I don't want to say messing around, but, you know, making decisions for them and causing all kinds of chaos. And that really opened my mind about what was happening because, you know, unintended consequences. Conservatives, we always talk about unintended consequences of government policy, but that's usually for domestic policy. So I learned to look at it from also foreign policy. Um, When you go overseas in the Middle East, which is extremely complicated, I don't know if one could understand what's happening over there and try to make decisions and, you know, things happen and things that you wouldn't expect to happen. Like we, the government cannot plan our lives and they certainly can't plan the Middle East. So I learned to look at it from that perspective and learned to look at about the cost and the unintended consequences. And, yeah, I, I realized that Iraq is a mistake. And like you said, the rise of ISIS is partially because of the war in Iraq. We destabilized the region.
0: I went to a Facebook page that you linked to, I was I was stalking you before we started, which I enjoyed, yeah. thank you for that. And uh, there was a graph of all the different tribes inside of libertarianism. And it reminded mm-hmm. me of the Gavin McGinnis video where he talks about the 14 like miniature tribes inside the right wing movement. Have you, you familiar with either of those at all?
1: I probably seen it. Uh, what, were, what were the libertarian
0: tribes? Uh, I I could go back to it, but it was it was a really it was like a Venn diagram on acid. Okay. Like it was just little shots all over the place. Did um,
1: it have people's
0: names? Mm, no, this one just had the, okay. uh, the name. Like there was right wing conservatism at the bottom. There was an acro capitalism okay. at the top. And then Gavin did a video where he talks about the outcasts and the alt right, which I call the alt white, the uh, neocons, the paleocons, the Trump cons, the Cruz cons. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is weird because with libertarianism, well, let's look at the parties. The Democratic Party's candidate, total garbage. The Republican Party's candidate, also, in my opinion, garbage. Libertarian Party candidate, I think Gary Johnson actually does the Libertarian Party a disservice. We might disagree on this, but I think libertarianism would be a lot more popular if they had uh, better representatives. I think that's one of the big, I think there's awesome libertarians in the party. I don't think he's the best representative. Actually, let's stop there. Why don't you Correct me if I'm wrong. Can we do better than Gary Johnson? Okay.
1: Can we do better than Gary Johnson from a libertarian standpoint? Yes. The good things about Gary Johnson is that he has credibility. He was the governor of New Mexico, which looks good as opposed to just a regular libertarian. He actually has experience. On his policies, there are definitely issues there. Uh, I made a video about. Gary Johnson a couple of weeks ago called. Do I feel the Johnson? And I kind of uh, pointed out some of the things I disagree with him on. Um, he recently came out. Well, he came out for a carbon tax, and I think he kind of take, took it back. And it's just like a carbon tax, like that is that's not libertarian. Like even most conservatives would be like, what? Um, he's also for equal pay for equal work, which is basically government intervening. Um, He's for a lot of stuff. Um, I know his VP pick is also for gun control. Um, He said things about banning semi-assault rifles um, when he was the governor. So, yeah, there are definitely some concerns there from a libertarian standpoint. And I'm not trying to be like a libertarian purist, like, oh, you have to be a libertarian on every single issue. Like, I understand the you know, that's not really, yeah, you know. I try to be practical about things, but there are some issues from Gary Johnson. I'm like, oh, no.
0: Yeah, I think TPP was another one. Um, mm-hmm. Abortion is a big one for me. I know libertarians fall on both sides. I'm like, if you're protecting, you know, if, if it's all about not hurting anyone else, then abortion's a gray line. But you brought up most of the good points I was going to talk about. And I thought it's to me what I really like about what's happening is you got people inside the parties going, you know, this party doesn't really represent me. And that means they have to focus more on ideas. Mm-hmm. Which if you're just voting party line, which is what people seem to have done for the last 40 years, the ideas don't matter as much. They kind of get lost in the, well, I'm part of a tribe, I'm part of a group, and I'm going to f- support that group, which is what you see with, especially with Hillary Clinton and this, to agree with Donald Trump. So I like saying, look, let's talk about the ideas. Like, is Gary Johnson actually a libertarian if he believes all these things? Because I don't think there's nearly enough distinction mm-hmm between Hillary, Gary, and Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's the king of doing what you said, where he's like, yeah, you know, we're gonna, what was the last thing he said? We're gonna build the wall. Actually, we might not build the wall. I'm going to Mexico, we'll talk about building the wall. But he does that with every issue. And I thought, if you're into principles, this is not your guy, because he's gonna disappoint you. Like, he's like a pit crew. It's gonna happen within eight seconds. So. Going forward, what do you think the future, are there? Are we going to be Britain where there's going to be seven political parties? Are we going to have divisions amongst them where people are going to sit out like they're going to do with Trump and the Never Trump movement? What do you foresee happening?
1: Um, I, I don't know. I would love to see more political parties. Um, the reason why we don't have more political parties is that the system is two-party two by design. It's really hard for third-party candidates like the Libertarian Party, they've always had struggles because they have to get so many signatures just to be on the ballot. Um, I don't know if Gary Johnson's going to be in the national debates, but I would be surprised if he was. So that's another just trying to get media attention, which Gary has been good at this year, I suppose, because people, a lot of people don't like the other candidates, but it's always been a struggle for third party candidates for Friday's design. and you also have people's just mentality that oh if you vote for gary johnson you're voting for hillary which is something i hate that um i, I do hate that too i understand what they're saying but it's just like you have a candidate that has to earn votes um if somebody doesn't want to vote for trump there's a reason like don't blame gary johnson for um stealing a vote it's not really stealing if somebody votes for who they actually want
0: yeah, you know, and I, you know who I think is a good example of that mm-hmm. is Mitt Romney, because there were three million people who voted for John McCain that didn't vote for Romney, which could have passed the election mm-hmm. to him. But you don't hear people coming out and saying, well, it's still the evangelicals' fault that didn't like Romney that Obama's president. Like, that didn't really happen. Whereas already today, you have people saying, well, if you don't vote for Trump, you've elected Hillary. And no, like, I consent mm-hmm. to whoever I consent to ruling me. That's kind of an important thing. And this whole idea of it's my fault that Hillary's president, that's, that's not me. That's Trump's fault and the people who mm-hmm. voted for him because I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, I want to talk to you about the alt-white, uh, the alt-right. This is a, sure. There's a division in the Republican Party. As a libertarian, like, how do you see this? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it going to cause permanent waves? What say you?
1: So I know the alt-rights um, mostly from Twitter. Um, and alt-right. most of them have the little green frog as their profile picture. And they just basically try to troll me all day. And I troll them back sometimes. We have fun. Um, I don't think they're that big of a threat. Um, Hillary's speech really surprised me that she actually addressed it. I think she probably just addressed it to put pressure on Trump or just to make him, you know, look racist or whatever. But I don't think they're that credible. I think they're just mostly online. Um, and they're mostly young people who are just kind of frustrated with it all. I know that a lot of them are former libertarians that kind of just got, Fed up with libertarian PC culture, which is a thing that's happened. and they just kind of get tired of losing, they say, the libertarians who weren't doing anything. and They kind of saw the alt-right as doing something and kind of jumped on the bandwagon. But I don't really think they're that big of a deal.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I, I call them all white because I think that um, the racial, ethnicism or nationalism is actually not a good thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I argue vehemently with people who talk about the switch and this myth that like the parties ideologically switched in a moment you've heard a lot about the switch right the switch where they talk about how the southern democrats were racist up until they all became republicans and republicans became uh, democrats i say it's kind of like people saying you know what i'm a huge ted cruz fan but i'm actually going to support bernie sanders for Mm -hmm. no reason whatsoever like it's not realistic at all the all white is one of those things where I go, there's actually some evidence there that maybe there's some truth. You have these angry, disaffected people who hate the fact that America's culturally changed and that's what they're focused on. Like, that's kind of the exact same thing that Black Lives Matter is upset about. And that's not a productive mm-hmm. movement at all. So that that part of it bothers me. And I'm curious how that's going to play out. But I want to I want to ask you about. Um, In terms of having impact, like you're on YouTube right now, and I hear people always say, well, if you want to make a difference, be the difference, go run for office, go, you know, become an elected official. Mm -hmm. I look at what you're doing as having a lot more influence. The people with the biggest platforms have the biggest opportunity to persuade hearts and minds. What say you?
1: Thank you for saying that, because I know some people are like, oh, you're just an internet activist. You're just in your mom's basement making videos, that kind of thing. But I think it's what you're good at. Um, I hope I've made an impact on YouTube. Um, some people messaged me saying I've changed their mind on something or you know, introduced them to libertarianism and stuff like that, which I think is making an impact. But it's what you're good at. I wouldn't be good at running for office. Um, I'm an introverted person, like going to knock on people's doors and that kind of thing. Like I don't like that sounds terrible to me. So I'm better on the internet, um, and talking to a bunch of strangers. Yeah,
0: like your uncle Rico here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's funny. It's I'm more comfortable talking to thousands of strangers on a YouTube video than I am, you know, walking up to somebody's door and be like, "Vote for me." Um, so it's what you're good at, what you're comfortable at, and I think I, you know, I like the internet.
0: So yeah, I mean, like we just reelected John McCain for his. Mm, Yeah,
1: what's wrong with you guys? I
0: don't (laughs) know. Then this, like you said, the incumbency rate is hovering around 85%, which is Mm -hmm. a 20-year low, usually in the mid-90s. And I think here's John McCain, here's a guy who knows a lot about holding people hostage. This is a horrible thing to say, like he has been holding, like we see him every six years, this is what I consider being held hostage, we see him every six years, he goes to Washington, we never hear from him, and he's determined to die in office. Like. What's so great about Washington that you would choose to die there as opposed to spend time with your grandkids and your family and like chasing leisurely pursuits? That to me is very, very frustrating.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny that everyone seems to hate Congress. Like, I, you know, the polls that come out to say, oh, Nickelback is more popular than Congress, that kind of That's thing. But people tend to love their own congressmen, which is strange. Like you said, it's, it's gotten better um, where more companies, are being voted out but i don't get the john mccain thing um either well
0: multiply them by you know 100 because there's 99 other people pretty much just like him and we've got jeff Flake yeah. who promised to only run for one term and then
1: what happened to him i remember like he was all like oh tea party i'm going to washington to change things and then you
0: know, it happens, but dang. It's the same. Well, I don't know. It's an, We should talk about this phenomenon because it's what happens to everybody. They get DC'd, right? Mm-hmm. And Flake is a perfect example. You should see some of the stuff he tweets and says and about mm-hmm. his, the people that got him elected. And they talk about triangulation, how everyone runs to the right, like Hillary Clinton run is going to run to the right of her actual positions. Donald Trump is doing it. And then they get to Washington and they fall in line. Um, it's a big problem. So I actually, which is the reason I like, the platform building instead, because you have a chance to just talk about the value of ideas as opposed to the value of that person being an elected official. And uh, I don't know what your religious affiliation or background is, if any, but I talk a lot about how you look at the power of voluntary versus the state. And I look at Jesus and say, here's a guy who never used power to change someone's mind. He persuaded using reason and arguments and showing by example, which to me is the highest form of being able to, flatter people. Like I talk about how his greatest miracle was changing people's behavior without coerciveness. And that's the thing I like about the Libertarian Party. It's like, look, we're going to do what we want to do and you choose what outcome you want for your life based on what you observe and see. And uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but this is my, this is what I like about what you do. I'm going to throw ideas out there. And when someone says, you changed my mind, changing mind means you're going to change their behavior. To me, that's godly power. That's something that is reserved for people of the highest order. So oh, thank just you. to clarify that. <laughs> I mean, do you agree? Like, if you if someone says I change my mind and I'm going to change my acts and then I'm going to change the course of my life, like, what can you do better for that individual?
1: Yeah, so I'm not, not Jesus, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is cool to change somebody's mind to persuade them and not force them. Um, just really, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then hopefully they'll spread it to somebody else, who spreads it to somebody else. So that's kind of the effect that we're going for as libertarians. And i I know a lot of um, Christians who are libertarians who used to be conservatives. They believe that, oh, if I'm a Christian that I have to be conservative." And a lot of their church um, preached conservative messages. But then they looked at it and they kind of said, "Well, who would Jesus bomb? You know, Jesus was this nonviolent guy. So they became anti-war, but you know, they didn't want to become a liberal because they still believed in free market economics. So they became a libertarian, which, yeah, it's great.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't saying you're Jesus. Maybe you're the you know, <laughs> Jesus, equal work for equal pay. But uh but no, I think it's important and it's overstated. It's 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 not a talent like if it was an X-Men talent, it would be the best one. It would be Charles Xavier. Like I can help people change their mind without lying to them or tricking them. Yeah. And in terms of I had something really good I was gonna say and I lost it. In terms of um all right, we'll just move on from there because I totally forgot tell me about a YouTuber that everyone should be watching. Like what's, who's someone that you watch all their videos. You never miss one.
1: Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) Mostly YouTubers that I watch are not political YouTubers. So you're Um, embarrassed
0: to admit it. Is that what you're going to say?
1: So, well, we were talking about what I learned on YouTube. I didn't know YouTube was a community at first. I thought it was just like a place where people just uploaded videos for their friends to watch. So that's what I did, but then I really got into YouTube and I learned that it's a community where people have followers and they make these videos and they have all these conferences and it's this really, it's a community. So I started watching these YouTubers who are not political, not libertarian, um, just kind of comedy, funny people, and I learned how to make videos because of them. Like Jenna Marbles, um, who is not political, but she's just this crazy girl on YouTube that makes good points. She's actually very smart. Um, I learned how to make videos because of her because she was entertaining and people liked her and people laughed and I realized that I can make people laugh while making good points. So I watch kind of more funny prank videos on YouTube as opposed to political ones. Um, uh, most of the political channels are not really something that I care to watch that much um, just because I find them kind of boring or I already agree with whatever they're saying. So it's just you know what's the point? But um, yeah, I watch stupid videos on you do.
0: That's interesting because my follow-up question was that it's I'm curious who the up-and-comers are going to be. I think there's a big void in the political space for people mm-hmm. to do what John Stewart and John Oliver figured out what to do, and Greg Gutfeld does pretty well, which is really entertain people while slipping your message in there, and having come away and say, all right, I learned something and it changes my view, and I wasn't bored to tears. So um, I did think of what I was going to try to say earlier, which is that the flip side of that whole Jesus anecdote was that when you say the truth, it's not very popular. People hate you and mm-hmm. they might kill you for doing it. So mm-hmm. there is a downside to it. Um, yeah. so, so last question, what's on your plate for this year? Like, what's your big goal? What Are you, are you speaking a lot? Are you going to write a book? Are you just going to make more videos in mom's basement and be content with that? Like, what's the plan?
1: So I'm doing more speaking. I'm going to be in New York on September 10th. I'm going to New Hampshire the next weekend. Um, I'm doing some college tours or college speaking um, in the fall. So yeah, I'm going to be a lot, doing a lot of speaking. Um, thinking of writing a book. I have some written out already. It's just a matter of getting publishers and that kind of stuff, which I know nothing about and I need to learn more about. Um, yeah, i just making more videos and continue to do what I do.
0: Who's someone, a content provider that, politically that you love and who's someone that you hate?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I don't like to say who I hate. Um, who's someone because... you strongly
0: disagree with and wish would never create more content.
1: The problem with this, and people ask me all the time, what do you think about this person? What do you think about that person? Is that there's a chance that I will meet them in person. And I don't want to trash talk them online and then meet them in person because people trash talk me online all the time. And then I meet them in person and they're actually nice to me, but they're awkward because these types of past. So I don't want to trash. I don't want to trash anybody.
0: Okay, no shade. So answer the first one then. Who do you love? Who's someone who's doing really good work right now?
1: So I, I watch, I do watch some people. Um, but They're more like kind of the anti-PC, anti-social justice warrior thing, which is really popular now. Um, that guy T, like Lauren Southerner, Southerner, those types of people. I do watch their stuff. Um, they do some libertarian stuff, but it's mostly like anti-PC, which I like. Um, but yeah, that's what I do.
0: It's true. You know how many careers have been built just on mocking yeah, yeah. young, the Young Turks? Like I've seen so many channels pop up just saying, here's what the Young Turks said today. And here's why they're crazy. Um, which is interesting because I talked about throwing shade, but I actually, when, when people get shut down for saying things, I hate that because I want to know what their ideas are. Mm-hmm. Like if you want Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby to go away, like I want to hear your reasons why. I want to hear you speak your truth so I can evaluate it and decide whether it's crap. So uh, I actually like the fact like guys like Sargon of Akkad who just play people saying stupid things and go, this is mm-hmm. the kind of thought that we're up against. I really enjoy that. Tell me, you've said that you were a conservative, but you've seen the light and you're a libertarian. So the last thing I want to ask you is if I am consider myself a conservative and not a libertarian, like what is it that should persuade me? What am I doing wrong? What beliefs are like incongruous with the truth of the libertarian movement?
1: what would you say that you're non-libertarian about
0: i don't know i say conservatarian because i think most of the ideas overlap so when you say you were a neoconservative mm-hmm. the part in the middle east i get like we should have learned that lesson and i think most people yeah. have come around to it it was a big mistake i'm having a guy on next week call uh named dr sebastian gorka have you heard him before i don't know he wrote a book called um the winnable war of jihad and he said in an interview we determine our success in Vietnam by body bags because that was, that's a horrible idea. And he goes and he gives speeches and helps people in the uh, security department in DC understand the movement. He's like, if you read their writings, if you understand their doctrine, if you understand that they're here in the United States, he's like going over there and saying, let's bomb Syria. And he goes it just makes me laugh like what do you think you're going to accomplish by doing that he's like the world's already here we need to focus on the ideas because every time and he talks about how alan um i'm sorry rumsfeld sent out a memo that he wondered every time we kill a terrorist if we didn't spawn two more of them and he goes and that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Our strategy is we couldn't answer that question honestly so um i look at it and say i don't believe in that at all i think it was horrible but extreme libertarianism like my friends sold me on the phone, like Rand Paul wants out of Iraq. He wants out of the Middle East. That's their problem. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's realistic either. Their problem is they want us to be gone completely. So we can't pretend that that doesn't exist. I think that's the difference between the Clinton and the Bush ways of dealing with this problem. And I don't think either one of them was very successful. So what is the proper libertarian response to that question? Because I think where libertarian struggles is with kids and with um, foreign policy. But- sure.
1: So the libertarian response would be, as Ron Paul said, just come home. Um, You have to look at the Middle East. Are we doing more good or harm? As you just said, Rumsfeld, that's really surprising. I never heard that, that we're actually spawning more terrorists. Um, It's the blowback theory. Um, If somebody sees the U.S. kill somebody, especially if they're innocent, I mean, that's going to cause anger. It's going to cause hate and resentment towards the U.S., which is something that we don't want, obviously. Um, I don't know if we just come home if automatically everyone's going to love the U.S., but it's a great step in the right direction. I'm not a pacifist. I'm not completely anti-war. I believe in self-defense, but I believe to put the nation first and to look at actually what the U.S. best interest is as opposed to the Middle East. So come home. Um, If there is a credible threat, um, then I think sure, we can go over there and kill whoever we need to kill. But I think just come home for now. And I think things will get better that if we're just home, as opposed to over there creating more problems and creating more terrorists.
0: So good answer. So that's one is the foreign policy. I think that Mm -hmm. the people we should be uh, in the scriptures, it says wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Like we should try to help everyone, but they should fear upsetting us. Sheikh Mohammed shouldn't believe that he can get a trial in New York city. Like there are certain policies oh, sure. that make that realistic for him. Um, that's pretty much it. So I'm curious what, what, what is about you being, was it mainly foreign policy that says you weren't a conservative anymore?
1: Sure. It was a huge part foreign policy cause I was just this huge neocon, uh, growing up. It was also things like drug legalization. Um, as a kid preteen, I never thought I'd be like for drug legalization. I was very much, you know, lock them up, they're druggies, get them off the street, that kind of thing. And then it really opened my mind when I read from a libertarian's perspective why we should legalize drugs. I thought before people who want to legalize drugs, oh, they just want to use drugs. That's why they want to legalize. But I looked at the libertarian perspective about the cost of the war on drugs. We're spending billions, billions of dollars every year and it's actually getting people off drugs. no. Um, Later on, I realized that putting druggies in jail isn't a solution because there's a ton of drugs in jail, which I had no idea about. People get hooked on even harder drugs in jail. So if somebody's actually addicted to drugs, they need help. They don't need to be put behind bars away from their family and at the taxpayer's expense. So I really looked forward to the war on drugs. And that was one of the things um, that really like, okay um, that makes sense. Just in general, I became more, you know, I'm I'm pretty socially conservative in my own life, but I don't think that I should force other people to live that way. And I especially don't think that we should lock people up or arrest them on my dying for not living to those values so that was eye-opening too
0: yeah i don't know if it maybe you can tell me if it makes me conservative or libertarian that i think the problem i have with it is the hypocrisy if tobacco and alcohol are okay why are why is marijuana bad although i think using any of them to the point where you they'll destroy your life if you use them too Mm -hmm. much that's bad and if you hurt someone else because the argument is well if you're not hurting anyone else but a lot of times other people get hurt There should be severe punishments for that because that argument goes out the window of, well, I'm not hurting anyone else, but other people get hurt all the time. Should the government be able to hypocritically say this one's worse than that one and this one we're going to regulate and make money off of and that one we're going to put people in jail for? No. And I also think the biggest drug cartel in the United States is the FDA. So what they do Mm -hmm. is they limit, they police the drugs they consider bad and they totally control and manipulate the drugs that are actually good. And I think that one's actually worse than the former.
1: Yeah, it's kind of insane that marijuana is legal in most places, but alcohol is completely legal. Um, Like you said, drinking or smoking to access is a bad thing. Um, I don't know if marijuana is completely harmless. They've done studies that it affects your brain, things like that. But I think alcohol is much worse. Um, Drunk drivers killing people, you know, husbands beating up their wives, becoming very violent, all kinds of fights with alcohol, alcoholism. I I mean... Yeah. And marijuana. I mean, I feel like I I mean, I knew potheads in high school and college and they're pretty harmless people. Um, They just sit around and smoke marijuana, um, usually don't hurt anybody. I think marijuana probably makes you less violent. Um, So it's kind of ridiculous that alcohol is legal and marijuana isn't. I think both should be legal.
0: Yeah, I think I was listening to a talk the other day about California pushing um transgender norms on school children. Uh-huh. Like if you're gonna go to a psychologist and they're gonna worry be worried about repercussions from telling a kid not to chop off their their hardware, uh-huh. like to me that's worse than letting them smoke marijuana legally. That's just my opinion though. Like I think there are much, much worse policy implications than allowing people to use drugs if they decide their their brain isn't value enough to preserve it's not uh-huh. the state it was given in, that's their issue. So I don't know what that makes me. I'm just I'm for freedom and liberty and the constitution. So I think usually the government makes it worse. It's yep. just some stossel. In. Hey, we're <laughs> on. I'm super excited we got a chance to talk. I really like following what you're doing. The picture with you with your arms up and all the fur coming out is probably the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. So i oh, a feminism for
1: this. video. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's gross. It's it's never been that bad in your life okay. that I've ever Jeez.
1: seen. Jeez, Your your patriarchy,
0: man. Um so, and how was it on Stossel? Did he hit on you?
1: No, but I, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. That was a couple of years ago. Uh, um, being on national TV is just, uh, it's very nerve wracking.
0: Are you getting better at the introvert thing? I can see a little bit of it, but you're speaking a lot. You came to Arizona I missed you, which I was bummed about. Heard it went really well. You're getting a lot of practice though. Are you going to be able yeah. to put that to the side?
1: Yeah. I mean, just especially just being on TV and knowing, that people that I know might see me on TV and just don't make a fool out of yourself and speak normally and stuff like that. It's very nerve wracking. Um, speeches. I don't, I don't have a problem anymore. I used to be really nervous, but now I'm just like, okay, um, just get up there and say what you think. Pretend you're in your own room. This is my room and just speaking <laughs> to the camera. Most people aren't there, but I think, I think I've gotten a lot better.
0: You ought to get word to Gary Johnson. Like in the Olympics, if you take a timeout, there was a story about a wrestler who beat up a referee because he didn't understand the rules. If you're off the stage for long enough, you get disqualified. So since we know Hillary's going to lock herself in the bathroom and go over by like 15 minutes, he should just be standing there in the wings and take her spot when that happens. All right. That's if she survives. I think she might actually die <laughs> before the election, but God has a sense of humor. Uh, Julie, thanks for visiting. Everyone check out your site. What is the uh, link to your YouTube site?
1: Uh, my name Julie Borowski.
0: Okay, so token libertarian girl, no more?
1: No, I replaced it.
0: Wow, okay. branched out. You're not the token girl anymore. Uh, Nice Mm -hmm. chatting with you, and I appreciate everything you do. I encourage people to go follow you, for sure.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: You're listening to the absolute unadulterated truth, courtesy of the
1: Oh Hail Yeah Show. Want more? Hail Yeah You Do. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
0: Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the Young Cons podcast on iTunes or
1: SoundCloud. And make sure to check us out online at youngcons.com podcast.
0: Or chat us up on Twitter at RealTJHale. But I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in.